so it's really nice to be uh, with you yet again. And uh, I just loved seeing the, the pictures, uh, dogs included. Um, still feeling a bit dizzy with uh, Father Abraham trying to stop my eyes rattling from side to side, my head turning around and just uh, get focused. It really is lovely to be with you. And, and what a joy just to hear of the life of God in your midst and not only in your midst, but just um, what's happening uh, through you in Argentina as well. And just that uh, mutual relationship of, of blessing and love and prayerfulness and support and so on. I, I think God uh, must love what's happening in and through new beginnings. And I know I love uh, any time I've been with you, whether physically or online, as it were, and uh, how Satan must absolutely hate you. It just goes without saying that uh, where there's life, Satan tries to disrupt it. And uh, we need to not be ignorant of his, his wiles. Uh, I'm sure that God leads, means to lead you more and more into the fullnesses of his purpose and the fullness of uh, his purpose, both for yourselves and uh, for what flows through you wider afield and how Satan would just love to stop things where they are and not let them proceed any further. He would like to knock them back the way, of course, but if he can't do that, he would just like to stow you where you are. And uh, I, I do try and listen uh, to God for uh, these one-off messages, as it were, when I was a pastor. I would normally preach my way through a book uh, just week by week, but uh, when it's just these one-off messages and I'm dropping into fellowships um, just for the odd week here and there, uh, I, I take it very seriously to try and listen uh, to the Lord. And sometimes there's a, a general word that I think he's maybe saying to, to many churches and fellowships, and partly I want to share that this morning. Uh, but I also believe that some of what uh, I've heard from the Lord is, is specifically for you. Uh, I, I believe it's from the Lord, and I would ask you to uh, weigh it up. And uh, to help us hear from the Lord, let's listen to his word together. If you've got your Bibles, then grab them now. We're going to read, first of all, from John chapter 3. John chapter 3, these very well-known and familiar words and surely precious words to, to any believer. So John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And then another short reading, precious words again um, from First Peter chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, that's where we're going now. First Peter uh, chapter 1. Peter's writing to those who really are facing the devil's attacks. And he's writing about how precious Jesus is. And he's writing about the costliness of our salvation. And then in chapter 1, verse 22, that's where we're going to uh, read from now. First Peter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Well, amen, and we thank God for his word and pray that he'll give us understanding of it as we look at it together. Uh, since I was last with you, uh, it's been Father's Day. And uh, actually, my two grown-up children are in their 30s. Uh, they clubbed together and they actually brought me a, bought me a wee record player. Uh, I remember years ago, I said to my wife, we may as well throw our LPs out because records are a thing of the past. And I, I don't know if you know this, but vinyl records, long play LP records are, are actually back in vogue. And uh, so my children brought me, uh, bought me this lovely wee uh, record player so I can play LPs. And uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I actually used to play the trumpet. I can't play it any longer. But uh, when I was at school, uh, I played the trumpet and we had a wee jazz band going. And, and I love that sort of traditional jazz music. And we thought we were just wonderful. Uh, playing when the saints go marching in and uh, Frankie and Johnny and won't you come home Bill Bailey and hello Dolly and all these sort of familiar traditional jazz uh, songs. We probably didn't sound that great but we had great fun and we loved uh, playing together and I think partly in memory of that, uh, that as well as the record player uh, they gave me an LP, uh, Sarah and David gave me an LP and it was by a very sort of sultry uh, female jazz singer called Peggy Lee. And uh, the reason they gave me that was that the, my trumpet teacher actually uh, played, he played with Louis Armstrong, but he also uh, played with uh, Peggy Lee in her orchestra. And, you know, I was listening to the, the LP uh, just last night, and there was a, a line out of one of the songs that actually struck me as, uh, as being, I think, what the Lord might want to say uh, from his word. Uh, but this is what sort of sparked off the thought. 
And uh, there's this song uh, called the, the White Birch Tree and the Sycamore Tree. And basically it's a, it's a song about lovers falling out and uh, he stomps off out the house and she walks, watches him go and the, the trees are actually watching uh, this fiasco going on as well. And the, the woman, as it were, this is what she says. Then I heard the white birch say to the sycamore, did you see him walking out the door? If he'd bend a bit, it would help a lot. Because the trees all know what the man forgot. If he'd bend a bit, it would help a lot. Because the trees all know what the man forgot. I think the Lord wants me to think with you about the whole theme of flexibility before the breath, before the wind of the spirit. You know, without flexibility, then uh, none of us would ever have been born again. I think back to my own conversion, and I think I've shared with you before that I was converted at a scripture union camp just at or just before my 13th birthday. And, you know, I went to that camp just totally spiritually ignorant, just intending to have a, a good time. And, and I did have a good time and it was great fun and so on. But I found that the word of God actually began to speak to me. And it was, as it were, as though the wind of the spirit was blowing the word of God against my ignorance and unbelief. And I heard that all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And either could I, I could either resist that word or I could bend with the wind of the spirit and receive that word. And then I heard that uh, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I heard that like a sheep I'd gone astray, but the Lord had laid on him my iniquity, the iniquity of us all, and by his stripes I was healed, and so on. And I could either bend before the wind of the Spirit, blowing that word into my heart and into my mind, or I could resist it. And, you know, at the end of the week, there was an invitation to those who felt they wanted to respond to those, in other words, who had bent in the wind of the spirit, bent their pride, bent their unbelief and allowed the truth to be something to be reckoned with. There was an invitation at the end of the week for those who wanted to receive Christ to meet in the leader's tent. And I, I couldn't work that one out because I thought there's 40 or 50, I, I can't remember, there might be more, there's 40, 50 or more of us here. How are all of us going to get into a, a, a single tent, a, a tent that can probably take no more than two or three people? But you know, at the end, there was only two or three of us there in the leader's tent. Only two or three of us had remembered what the trees know. If you bend a bit in the wind, 
it's a good thing. And all the rest had stayed rigid, refusing to bend. Flexibility in the wind of the spirit, without it, you or I could never have been born again. And you remember how uh, Jesus describes, we, we know these words, don't we? How he describes uh, that process of new birth that so confused Nicodemus. He says this, truly, I truly, John 3 verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then speaking further, into Nicodemus' confusion to try and explain this process of new birth. Do you remember what he says in verse 8? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where, it's, where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So if you're born again, as I believe, probably every one of you who's watching and listening now, I believe that you're born again. And I believe that I'm born again by the grace of God. And how did it happen? Because the spirit blew. And we bent to the truth of the word of God that he brought us. The spirit and the word together. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So we're all familiar with this truth. Without flexibility, there can be no life of God within us. Without flexibility, we could never have received the wind of the Spirit bringing us the seed of the word of God and planting it in our hearts. But what I want to say this morning is just to emphasize what Jesus says, not just as the beginning of spiritual life, but the way that it progresses and the way that church life progresses from one degree of glory into the next, from one aspect and, uh, and one layer of the, found, uh, of the purposes of God being built in us and through us to the next layer of his purposes being accomplished through us. The, the same flexibility that brings us to new life by the grace of God, that flexibility is necessary for spiritual life to grow. It's necessary for spiritual life to continue. But just as we receive the word of God blown into our lives by the Spirit, and we bent before that truth, that life-giving truth, well, that's the way that spiritual life continues to be healthy that we continue to bend our will to the will of God, that we continue to bend our thoughts to the thoughts of God, that we continue to bend our lives into increasing conformity to Jesus and increasing obedience to his call to discipleship, his call to follow him. So this principle 
so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, that we hear the sound of the wind and we don't know where it comes from and we don't know where it's leading to, but we know its effect. That principle, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, is not just a principle for the start of spiritual life. It's the way by which we grow and the way by which we cooperate with God and his purposes that he wants to accomplish in our lives individually, in our life collectively as a gathering of his people, through our lives and through his church. The problem is that somewhere along the line, we can develop a rigidity. A rigidity that forgets how to bend. And actually that rigidity is a very, very serious thing. I've just written down here Proverbs 29 verse 1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Can you hear how serious it is to develop a rigidity that just refuses to bend by the wind of the Spirit blowing in the seed of the Word? And we refuse to bend. And we can stiffen our neck. And this is what it says. Proverbs 29 verse 1 again. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Friends, I don't want that for me. I don't want it for any one of you individually. And this is my heart for new beginnings. I don't want to see that happening to new beginnings as a church. It's really important that a congregation in its leadership, its eldership, I'm not sure what you call the leadership in your fellowship, but in its leadership, its eldership, in its congregation, in its fellowship, that in each and every member, it's really important that we're on our guard against rigidity. Because at that moment that rigidity enters, then we're in danger of the work of God in our lives, in a fellowship. We're really in danger that it gets broken beyond recovery. Friends, this is quite a serious word this morning. I've seen fellowships that have arisen full of life and they're not on the map of Scotland anymore. They just don't exist anymore. And at one time they were full of life. I can think of a fellowship that I knew once that I would say was experiencing many revival. It does not exist anymore. And so often the reason is that a congregation that has been bending in the wind of the Spirit, bending before the Word of God, some rigidity comes in 
whether in the heart of a member or a group of members or a leader or a group within the leadership, some rigidity comes in. And the fellowship can get broken beyond healing. I'm so eager that that would not happen to you. It has happened to other places of life. And I don't want it to happen to you. And let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Maybe you're thinking that would never happen to us in new beginnings. Maybe you're thinking for yourself that would never happen to me. Friends of Fellowship, I'm thinking of at wonderful leaders. It was alive in God, bursting with the life of God. But it's no more. I'm thinking of a, a friend in the Church of Scotland, not the fellowship I've just referred to, but a friend in the Church of Scotland. He's a minister and he has a wonderful ministry, but I remember, not the church he's in now, but the church he was in prior to the one he's in now, I remember preaching him in, and I saw this man as I preached the word of God. I saw this man's face going black with anger and fury. And as I was preaching, I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, that man has a spirit of control, the exact opposite of a flexible spirit. He is operating by a spirit of control. And I knew that my friend was going to have difficulty because of this man. He was a preacher. He was a lay preacher. Perhaps in the vacancy, he'd somehow managed to rise to a position of dominance in the congregation that he now feared was being threatened. I don't know how that spirit of control got there, but so it proved to be. And so it's proved to be for many of my friends who are ministers in the Church of Scotland, that a spirit of control arising in some has brought to their ministries misery and pain. And eventually, God in mercy and in judgment upon the congregation has moved them on. to gatherings of more receptivity, to gatherings of more flexibility before the word, before the wind of the spirit. Friends, don't think for a minute. I'm addressing this to myself. The spirit of control the opposite of flexibility, me wanting my way, me resisting everything but my way, me wanting to control a fellowship, wanting to dominate other people. That's of the flesh and it can enter into any one of us that gives it room in our heads or in our hearts. 
And when it happens, unless we repent of it, it, it brings a spiritual death. It stops the work of God in its track. And this is a word that I want you to hear seriously. I believe God gave it to me for you. Remember I said we mustn't be ignorant of the devil's wiles. How do we know if that spirit of control rather than a true openness and flexibility before the wind of the word and the wind of the spirit. How do we know whether we've stopped living as Jesus said should be the way for those born of the spirit, that we hear the wind, that we feel the wind and its effects upon us and we go with it even if we don't know fully where it's going to lead us, we go with it. How do we know when we've let go of that way of living? And actually there's a rigidity that's begun and a spirit of control rather than being like a tree bending in the wind or a leaf blowing in the wind wherever God wants to blow us. How do we know when that's begun to happen? Well, just last night, I felt that God led me to these words from James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Let me read to you there from verse 17. James is speaking about earthly wisdom. And he's speaking about the wisdom that comes from above. And this is what he says. The wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle. James 3.17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. Listen to this. This is the, the phrase I felt God led me to in connection with what I'm saying now. Wisdom from above, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, then this. It knows when to yield. It knows when to yield. The flesh doesn't like to yield. The flesh doesn't like to yield to anyone. The flesh forgets what the trees know. If we bend a little, it would help a lot. The spirit of control does not like to yield. The spirit of control likes its own way in a friendship in a relationship, in a fellowship, in church leadership, in a congregation. 
we need the help of God to have a mind, a wisdom that knows it's a good thing to yield at the right time. I am not talking about yielding any point of truth. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm talking about wanting our own way. When it boils down to this refusing to bend, this spirit of control, it comes down to something very, very simple. We want our own way. And when that gets into a marriage relationship, when it gets into family life, when it gets into church family life, when it gets into church leadership, when it comes between a, a congregation and the leadership or the leadership and the congregation, when it emerges within leadership, one against the other, wanting our own way. At that point, we're no longer, we've forgotten what the trees know. And we're no longer living by the principle that the born again are meant to live by. Being aware of the spirit blowing and the truth of God coming to us. And we don't exactly know where it's going to take us. But, oh God, I don't want to resist your spirit. And I don't want to resist your word. God, deliver me from this sin so common to the flesh, so near to the heart of every one of us. We want our own way. I wonder if, if we could have listened into each other's homes, not during the Zoom session or a church Sunday gathering, if we could zoom into one another's homes unannounced, would I see in your home this spirit, this wisdom that comes from above, this way of thinking? Would I see looking into your home, into your family relationships, would you see as you looked into mine, would we see that we were living by the wisdom from above that knows how to yield? That's not living by, I'll do it my way and you'll do it my way too. And that sulks and creates a scene when we don't get our own way. Do you remember what we're told in Ephesians 2, a sign of being filled with the Spirit? You remember how Ephesians 5 rather tells us to, to go on being filled with the Spirit and it gives us several signs and explanations of what that means. We're to, uh, for example, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're to be full of thanksgiving, but it also says this, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands and wives, how, how are you getting on submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ? 
members of uh, of New Beginnings Fellowship, how do you get on submitting to one another, not pushing for your way, your thoughts, your ideas? How do you get on submitting to one another? New Beginnings Leadership, how do you get on submitting to one another? That's a sign, according to Ephesians 5, who are told to be continually filled with the Spirit, the wind of the Spirit continually blowing us, continually bending. Here's a sign we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. More significant. In humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, he didn't look after his own interests. He humbled himself and became a servant of God and servant to the needs of a lost world. And I think that's about it. What a difference this could make if there's tension in your marriage, tension in your family life, if we just knew how to be filled with the Spirit and in the strength of the wind of God, in the strength of the enduring Word of God that brought us to life, just to live by that as an enduring principle. And learn to bend, not only before God, but the proof that we've done that truly, is we bend before one another. How can we say we love God when we've not seen, when we, when we don't love uh, one another that we do see? This is an extension of that. How can we say we're submitted to God if we've not learned to submit to one another? to prefer one another, to reverence one another above ourselves. You know, you could work out this even in your own home. What would you like to do today, darling? What colour would you like the wall to be painted? Where would you like to go? It could begin in very simple ways. And then lift it up the level to the church. Are you just difficult to be with in the church if things don't go your way? Do you realize you can be happy when you don't get your own way? You can be utterly joyful when you don't get your own way. You don't need to speak about anyone behind their back. You don't need to complain. You can just be joyful because it's God giving you the opportunity to grow in the Lord. So I pray. I think this is for you just to help you be aware of the wiles of the evil one because he wants to stop the good things happening in your lives, happening in your families and happening in New Beginnings Fellowship, I'm sure of it.
devil wants to do that. And this is the way whereby that will not happen. The very principle that brought you to new birth of you bending in the wind of the spirit and before the word of God will be the ongoing principle by which you live individually, by which you live in your relationships, by which new beginnings fellowship lives. Go with that. You'll never be broken beyond healing as many fellowships have become. Wouldn't it be an amazing miracle if New Beginnings Church became a fellowship where people were absolutely happy not to get their own way? May it be so. So, Father, please bless your word. What's for us, help us to lay hold of it. May that be like a precious seed, whatever is particularly for us. May that be like the precious seed of your enduring word blown into us by the Spirit this day. And may it grow and be fruitful, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.